0: Does everyone in your organization speak about, understand, and behave in a way that aligns with your mission? Because without that, there's no authenticity. And authenticity leads to trust. And you have to put that lens on everything.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I have a special guest and I'm being joined by Shelly Diamond. Shelly is the Chief Marketing Officer at UNICEF USA. Shelly, welcome to the studio. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, UNICEF USA is a well-known household brand and nonprofits, and we're excited to dig in to all of the marketing strategies that you all use to connect with your communities. But before we do that, I want to learn a little bit more about you, Shelley. What was the squiggle or the journey that you took to get into nonprofit marketing and now as CMO at UNICEF USA?
0: Yeah, it was a long and winding road. (laughs) Um, I started my career at a big advertising agency, Young and Rubicam, which is part of a big holding company, WPP. So... When I first began, I always was at my heart, in my DNA, a do-gooder. I volunteered. I was involved in my community. And in part, that was informed by my family history. My mom was a Holocaust survivor. She was born in Berlin and came here um, having lost many, if not all, her family members. And she would tell me all the time, like, this is the greatest country on the earth. And I felt it was my responsibility to give back. Uh, And I've always done that. So when I got my first big job in advertising, which was not such a big job, I volunteered. I volunteered. If we're doing anything for nonprofits, I'd like to work on it. And that actually took me to places that I would never have expected to get to in such a short time. Um, My first role at YR, the CEO of the company had a An organization he was passionate about and looking for a young account person to just like take it and run with it. And I said, that's me. Happy to do it. And from there, I um, started working on anything to do with the Ad Council, which is an incredible organization. And then ultimately at YNR with my CEO, David Sable, we started a nonprofit practice called YNR Inspired Change because it was part of the DNA of YNR. Uh, we've done some really famous um, um, campaigns, like "A Mind Is a Terrible Thing to Waste" for, U- for United Negro College Fund. And, you know, even back in the very beginnings of YNR um, and David, and I'm bringing him up because he's the reason actually that I ended up um, in in the long and, and winding road telling of the story. We did some brand work um, for for UNICEF. UNICEF is a brand. That punches way above its weight. Everyone knows it, but no one knows it. Everyone has an experience with it, but that experience is relatively limited to their childhood trick-or-treat experience where they carried a little orange box and their parents gave them more candy if they collected more pennies. And no matter who I met when I first started to consult through YNR Inspire Change. They said, wow, UNICEF is still around. And I was like, oh, that's a gut punch. Um, so in twenty, the end of 2018, their CMO, the, the UNICEF USA CMO, left. And my CEO was on the national board. And he said, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, yes. You just know in your gut, A, that it's time, B, the mission, and the mission of being a humanitarian organization protecting the rights of children. I mean, can you imagine it resonating more than it does right now at this point in time? So I was sincerely passionate about helping the brand sort of resuscitate, rejuvenate, become more relevant. It was just, it almost was like everything I had done up to this point prepared me for this.
1: I love that. And I know how important that mission is because I actually started my career in international development and relief with children's programs. And so interacted with UNICEF even uh, or UNICEF funded programs and different things actually on the field in uh, developing communities. And so the work is broad spread. And I think you brought up a really interesting point. I don't want to leave off. As you said, everyone knows UNICEF, but no one knows UNICEF. How have you navigated that challenge or what are some of the key points that you and your team prioritize to fix that or to basically reconcile that?
0: Well, I mean, first thing we did is we took a hard look at our brand uh, as measured by not awareness, because that doesn't tell the story. It's a lot of awareness. Even familiarity, not so much because people are familiar with the brand in a very limited way. Relevance, yeah, it was relevant to me when I was in fifth grade. (laughs) But now, especially a young adult, you know, they, they don't even have that experience. And to your point, Noah, an international organization for children's rights, that's happening somewhere in parts of the world I've never even heard of. So, how do you create relevance when I don't really? I'm not the American Red Cross. I'm not going there and 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 giving my blood. I mean, literally giving my blood. So we have to create an experience with the brand that creates relevance and then differentiation. So sort of what is our superpower? What is that specific? What is a specific point of difference that we can bring into this huge international humanitarian space. So that's where we began. And it's a tough thing to look at.
1: Absolutely. And I think every organization can resonate with this idea of how do we stay relevant? And then how do we differentiate? Were there initial steps you all took to start answering those questions? Or was it uh, talking to your supporters, going out in the market? What was kind of the approach that you all took to really distinguish what your unique differentiator was?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really amazing because we had great data. Uh, again, you've come out of this world and I imagine a lot of people on the call would face the same challenge. Brand? We got to raise money. What's this brand stuff? I know it costs a lot of money. No one really understands it. Um, and And this is fair. I mean, we have to spend our money on... Programs that return an immediate dollar for every or immediate $2 on every dollar we've spent. And that's the mindset, right? Um, so, A, we had to educate not only our internal audience, but our board. The good news is we had several really impressive marketers on, on the board. So first thing I would say that I did is I found some champions within both our organization and, in, and our board of directors. Uh, it didn't hurt that my CEO who had brought me on was very much a, a brand champion. Uh, so you you had the people who said, yeah, I understand because I run a big company and I know how important my brand is to profitability, to margin, to customer growth. So that was one thing. Second thing is when you talk to a group of um, individuals who really are they're doing God's work in every way. They're doing program work. They're doing advocacy work. They're doing policy work. They're out there raising as much money as they can with individuals and corporations. And you say, okay, guys, we're a business. It's like, wait a minute, we're not a business? We're a humanitarian organization. Yeah, but you're a business. You have a P&L. You have costs. You have a return on investment. You have growth targets. So I would say that a lot of what we did even before we did any research on our audience was to do a temperature check on how our own internal audience viewed our brand and our board and ask them some questions. So when you try to bring in a major donor, what are some of the obstacles you face? And of course, they're all brand obstacles. They're not clear. Of course, when you have a one-on-one conversation, our, our major gift offices are brilliant. They really are. But how many people can you really speak to? So what we said is we're going to do a piece of research that's going to give you a sense of what the market feels about us vis-a-vis not only our near-in nonprofit competitors. But what does the um, market think of us vis-a-vis companies that are doing good? You know, I'll think about climate change. Do I want to give money to Greenpeace or do I think I'm already doing it because I buy all my exercise stuff from Patagonia? You know, I mean, many of the corporate partners were much bolder and louder about what they were doing around changing the lives of, of people here, both in our country mainly, but certainly internationally. So we compared our brand to some of those other brands as well, and we created a brandscape of do-gooders that went well beyond, you know, the comparators. We don't like to call them competitors because we're all doing wonderful things to, to impact whatever our particular mission is. And what you saw there is we were sort of leaning in the bottom with a lot of really well-known, really sort of tired brands. So we said, okay, this is, this is a problem. You can see the problem. But then to your point, Noah, what, how do, what are the steps to trying to address the problem? So what we did is we looked at that same data among the people who love us our loyalists, our ambassadors, people who engaged with us in the last 12 months and who identify themselves as a UNICEF supporter. And it was a whole different picture. They saw us, the attributes that we got from the research, from the general public, you know, trustworthy. It's good that you have to be trustworthy, right? Well known. Well, these are table stakes, this is cost of entry. But our our loyalists saw us as smart, innovative, cutting edge, daring. It's like, okay, now those are momentum-creating attributes. So what can we talk about that shows that side of the brand? And so we we have an incredible programs team. We have amazing people on the team digging deep. For our PR team, the best source of the best stories. They're the ones that are pitching it to the media. So these better be some really provocative examples of the good work we're doing. And we said, okay, let's talk about the midwives who are are being helicoptered into northern Nigeria to safely see a, a woman give birth. Or people who are going in these canoes or on mules to get vaccines into the arms of kids that are Dying from preventable diseases, or the young women in in Kenya who who came up with this idea of using drones to drop some of the vaccines during the pandemic into Malawi. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, we are like readers of the lost art. It's Mother Teresa. And so, our positioning was we are badass do gooders. Um, Nobody else was, and we put a face on our brand and we've been consistent. Since we started doing this at the end of 2018, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes focus, and most importantly, for anyone who is still listening, after I've gone on and on, we had the support of our biggest and most important board members, our leadership team, and our CEO. Our CEO, he started, poor guy started right right before the pandemic. But one thing he made it clear to the organization that we have four strategic goals. Number one, drive impact. Impact doesn't mean money. I mean, money is very important, right? But impact is where we spend it, how we spend it, how we move and change the world for children. So we have a billion dollars of impact, impact value. Okay. The second thing was igniting the power of the brand. It's incredible to ignite the power of the brand. Um, And then the third is operational excellence. And this gets to your point of how do we innovate? How do we invest in marketing technology? How do we just get better at everything we do? How do we continue to innovate and raise our game? And focusing on really where we make our investments, how we work together as an organization, you know, becomes a huge goal. And then of course, rallying the American public around the issue of children's rights. Um, And I say that because there's a distinction between global UNICEF and and UNICEF USA. Global, there are 38 national committees. They're all the high-income countries, um, and the U.S. is one. And the national committees have discretion to work within their own market, building their brand, raising the money for where we believe it will drive the greatest impact. And of course, we work as a big global organization, But we do have some we have uh, discretion in our market, understanding the cultural nuances. We're very different than some of the other national committees, understanding what our audience cares about at any moment in time. So it's been really fantastic to be on this journey and we are making progress.
1: Absolutely. And I just want to highlight two things that I think are really important that you just said that can be applied to any organization, navigating, building relevance and identifying the unique value proposition is you have to have this as an internal objective it can't just be the marketing team's idea or task it has to be a company focus and objective and stakeholdering as you mentioned and then having those advocates internally are key because if marketing is just positioned as a support in the organization and not as a strategic leader you can't make the types of impacts that you were just saying as the brand is uh, or the impact of the brand can't and will never be realized fully. The second thing that I think is so important is you said that when you survey the general public, you got one sentiment. But when you talk to your loyal supporters, you got a different one. Listen to the loyal supporters, like why people love you or even why people hate you or don't like you. At least they're impassioned about it. And that's what you need to pay attention to. And too often we are we are tempted to try to appeal to many when we really just need to appeal to the people that we're for and that are for us and with us. Uh, And leaning into that, I think, is something, again, everyone listening to this can take away. Transitioning from brand value to, you mentioned innovation. So you talked about reinvigorating the brand and doubling down on that. But now innovation is also table stakes for nonprofits like UNICEF and others. How do you all keep innovation at the forefront And how does marketing play into that?
0: I I think that an organization that's going to allow for innovation, it is sort of part of your, you know, we have a very clear mission. We have a very focused strategy and we've spent a lot of time articulating our values. And the three values that we talk about and remind ourselves of and are measured against when we have our performance reviews is number one. Are we doing things around children and their rights? Everything we do should be through the lens of children and their rights. There's so much going on in this world that you want to speak out about, but our role is children and their rights. The second, and this gets to your innovation in a more explicit way, big thinking, bold action. Giving people room to fail, giving people room to go outside of their comfort zone, allowing the organization to test and learn. If you miss, you miss. In fact, you should be rewarded for missing. And we have an actual project that's being run by our president of our innovation fund, um, who does all of our innovative investing. So really passionate about this. And we're going to turn it into something that we do in a very systematic way. And then the third thing is the power of we. I mean, we have a lot of incredible corporate partners. We are making investments in technology like Salesforce. We are trying to learn and be inspired outside of our near-end comparators, and we have incredible partners that we can learn from, like Microsoft, uh, Intel, SAP, Dell, Disney, j and I mean, these people are doing really cool things, um, so why not learn from that? We have media partners in our agencies um, that we rely on to keep us abreast of what we should be thinking about. Um, we've just refreshed our website and we are very much in a test and learn. We are looking at the every engagement interaction our user journeys. where are people coming from when they come? what do they engage? what content do they engage with and then how do we respect their preferences? How do we ensure that the experience they get with UNICEF in every way, whether they're donating or supporting or doing a community fundraiser or working in Washington to lobby, they should have an experience with UNICEF that reflects the power of we, big thinking, bold actions and children and their rights. That consistency is really incredibly important. I'm making sure that our internal audiences understand why we're making these investments tech in marketing technology people talk about digital transformation i mean it's not digital transformation we're transforming our relationships with the american public and you said this it's not everyone that matters it's the group of individuals who have the emotional availability to engage with a brand like ours they care about this or they don't care about this international humanitarian organizations by, by their very nature, are smaller in the philanthropic um, landscape. But once you identify, and they don't have to give you money. We have to stop thinking about the money, which, of course, sounds like, what do you mean? We're marketers. But what we're trying to do is drive profitable growth. And that actually is what's going to lead, you know, lead you to that, because you're not going to waste your money talking to people who will never participate with the brand or support it. We are an emergency relief organization as well, or a humanitarian organization that provides, I mean, massive relief to children in the most horrific of circumstances. And there you'll see a giant spike in who engages with us, but they're doing it at that moment in time because there's a cultural moment where we have an incredibly relevant message. But building our brand allows us to be that, First brand to consider when you're thinking about what can I do to help protect the life of a child? What can I do to keep a child healthy, to keep a child, to provide education, quality education for a child, to make sure they're protected and respected? People think, yeah, I care about that. And UNICEF is the brand that can deliver that. We will have succeeded by any metric.
1: Absolutely. And I think you've highlighted some of the things that are just key for any nonprofit, small or, you know, large, is that you have to have that defined point of view. You have to have a clear differentiator and a clear view of who is for you and why and how do you retain that trust and credibility? Is there a specific campaign that UNICEF USA has run or that you all are driving forward that you feel like has just outperformed expectations? Is there a specific initiative and kind of what have you learned from that?
0: Well, there are so many. So there is the, sort of the ongoing brand campaign that I've just talked about. I mean, We measure um, the equity of our brand on a, on a very regular basis. It's one of the key. It's one of the KPIs that we have to the organization. Uh, brand equity is one of the key brand relevance, brand trust. And we use something called Harris poll, so it's like political polling. We can look at any moment in time at a defined audience and our comparators to see whether we're increasing our momentum or we're declining, whether we're increasing our familiarity, if we're, and then we can see how more and more familiarity leads to more and more conversion. Conversion on doesn't again mean just dollars, but engagement with this brand that ultimately, in most cases, will lead to some sort of a monetary impact. And I would say that based on that, our brand campaign, uh, it's called We Won't Stop. And we've even built that language into our strategic plan. What we talk about relentlessly pursuing a more equitable world for every child, relentless. Our mission of bold, it all reflects, it's not just a tagline. It's a principle that we operate from and everything is translated from that. And we are just sticking to it. We're definitely expanding it to a higher value audience that needs a slightly different message to a younger audience. I'm sure everyone on this call knows their donors are older and we need to bring in new generations of supporters and understanding. And this particular brand idea, it resonates. You, you need different channels as we all know, Gen Z gets their news from unfortunately from TikTok and other places like that. But we've got to find a way, right? And because of the flexibility of the campaign, we can work across all of these platforms. To me, that is one of the the other thing I would say is that we have integrated all of our brand elements into a performance marketing. You, you know, a it's really brand demand. So we're going out there. We look the same, but we're just telling you something you need to do right now at this moment. but you are learning, trick-or-treat is another example where we morphed from door-to-door to to a QR code fully digital experience where when people went to our website, they learned what we actually do by knocking, like we called it click-or-treat, put some meaning in your Halloweening. Listen, we just started and it's a big, big ship to turn, but we see a lot of legs in in that work. So I would say that it's really the integration of our strategy, the knowledge of our audience, just recognizing who they are at a point in time. But Noah, you're Noah, but you're Noah who wants to give money when there's a war in Ukraine. You're a different Noah when you just want to like take an advocacy action for children's rights or when you want to do something with your kids around Halloween to um, teach them what the rest of the kids around the world are dealing with. And we need to be that brand in all of the sort of stages of your life. So it's not just one campaign. There are a few moments where we've had the biggest moments around the pandemic. One of the things parents were struggling with is how to talk to their children, how to make them, kids were traumatized. We are experts in dealing with trauma and children. So we gave audiences what they needed. We gave them information, even now, how to talk about hate and discrimination. How do you talk to your children about war and crisis? So we want to be a resource. And so when we do the right thing that recognizes the sensibilities and needs of our market in a respectful way, that's when our campaigns resonate.
1: One thing that stood out through this whole conversation, Shelly, is just that it starts with the brand being trusted and reliable and clear. And so anyone listening to this, I think that's what you can take away from this conversation. But obviously many on this call or most on this call, I would imagine, are working at smaller organizations than UNICEF USA. What advice for marketing leaders at a medium-sized nonprofit or even a small nonprofit or a large nonprofit? What guidance would you have in this specific moment that you would adhere nonprofit marketers to focus on as they wrap up the year and head into next year?
0: So I think first and foremost is your mission these are all mission driven companies does everyone in your organization speak about understand and behave in a way that aligns with your mission because without that there's no authenticity and authenticity leads to trust and you have to put that lens on everything we can all get caught up in oh we need someone on tiktok and we need to do something on instagram and X. Let's not talk about X. You have to, at some times you have to sit it out. You can't have that jerk reaction to jump in because you know what? It took UNICEF 75 years to build trust. You can knock it down in a minute by not being authentic to who you are. And it gives you recovery time because some people may not like what you have to say right now, but it is who you are. And it is the mission that people expect you to deliver on. So I would say trust authenticity. And we are talking about this before. Be so intentional around your audience. Know them, know them deeply. Don't just know them because they are, their net worth is X, Y, Z. And so therefore, no, no. You know what? That's not a measure of how committed they are to your organization. I mean, in some cases, yes. But know what they care about. Know what their passions are. Understand sort of their emotional availability for your brand and be there for them as best you can, meeting them. Because that like any relationship, you know, if I said to you after I met you once, click on this display ad, give me money, and the next time I meet you, I ask you for money again. It's like, what are you, my kid? <laughs> the only text when they need money. I mean, you have to understand what they need right now. There's a moment in time where the emotional needs of your audience, if you meet those needs, you're gonna create such a loyal, again, in nonprofit, we know that retention is huge. People come in and they come out just as quickly as they come in. What's gonna keep them connected to you? Just know what it is and talk to them. Qualitative research, quantitative research, talk to them, understand what they truly care about. We do that a lot. Um, And I would say that to drive profitable growth, thinking about how to grow your audience. We all have our pool of donors. We go to the same. It's like when I worked on Campbell's Soup. Our most loyal users um, were 90%, 80% of our business, 90% of, I think that's pretty true in, in most big packaged goods companies. And you want to sell them another can of soup. No. I think what we need to do is there are a lot of other people out there who are very similar to the people who already support us, find them, find them, and then develop and and take it slow, right? Because you don't want everything to be transactional. You have to develop long-term relationships and keep your brand relevant, relevant, relevant. It's all about relevance. So what stories can you tell about your brand where people are going to be like, wow, I had no idea they did that? Because then they're going to be intrigued, They're going to be interested. You've got to be an interesting brand. And I would say that's, and they have great people skills. We have the people on the marketing team, um, and we're also organized in a very integrated way. The integration of our team actually is a result of, although we operationalized it, this common alignment on KPIs, on mission, um, and on passion for brand cohesion,
1: This conversation has been a testimony of what we talk a lot about here on Good Marketing Unplugged is that marketing is mission critical. And you said that so many different elements of UNICEF's success now and in the future is built on the intentionality of marketing at every stage of the supporter experience, the employee unification, focus, etc., and I think that's something that everyone should take away is that marketing is not a means to the mission. It is part of the mission and appreciate you sharing uh, passionately and giving a great exemplary example of what good marketing looks like. So thanks, Shelley, for being here today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you. This was so fun. Absolutely. Well, if listeners want to connect with you, Shelley, uh, or even just follow UNICEF USA to learn from how you all do marketing, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Well, we have, of course, we have a huge presence on on social media, but they can um, come to our website, www.unicefusa.org.
1: Excellent. Encourage everyone to check out unicefusa.org. Again, appreciate you, Shelley, and we'll have you again on soon.
0: Okay, I'd be happy to.
1: Thank you.